as you approach 2018, who here desires to be blessed? Who here desires to be blessed? Yeah, I would assume most of us desire to be blessed, and we hear a lot in our culture about um, this this blessing, right? This blessed life. And so this morning, we're going to continue our series here as we're walking through uh, several passages and Psalms. And so we're going to be in Psalm, uh, I wrote 127, but it's actually 128, so uh, my fault there on that um, typo. But Psalm 128, and it, and it begins with this statement, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And so this blessing is obviously qualified by fearing the Lord. And so this morning, we're going to kind of maybe walk through that. And as you think about your life, maybe what are some ways that you desire to be blessed right now? What are some things maybe you would desire to be blessed in? Come on. Health. What else? What else besides health? So, I don't know. Somebody else said something? Grandchildren. All right. Children, right? Okay, Absolutely. The fruit of the Spirit. Absolutely, bro. I hear you spiritually. What else? What are some ways you desire to be blessed? Discernment. Wisdom. Knowledge. What else? Salvation of children. Your household. Amen. Who else? Some ways you desire to be blessed. And if you got any some rocky relationships, maybe you'd like to see some, some healing there, right? Maybe some issues at work or in your vocation and... So we're all having this, this seeking of being blessed, right? And so this morning we're going to look at that. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. So to, to, to ta- tackle this, um, we're going to, I think, maybe uh, it would be wise to define what it even means to fear the Lord, right? Like, so if it's everyone who's blessed is those who fear the Lord, who walks in His ways, let's define what's it look like to fear the Lord. And so we're going to start there this morning. And so maybe just a little bit of exercise today of as you look, as you read, as you interpret the Bible, like how do you begin to understand what the Bible's trying to say to you, right? And so the first thing I would say is as you begin to look and you're trying to interpret like for a statement, what's it mean to fear the Lord? Look right there at the context of where you're reading. Do any of the verses around there provide clarity? And so look with me if you would. Verse 1, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And then he kind of thrusts this out a little further And he says this fearing the Lord is demonstrated by what? Walking in God's ways, right? There's a demonstration of fearing the Lord. It's walking in God's ways. And so look, as we kind of think about this word walking, right? Throughout Scripture, it talks about walking. It indicates our lifestyle, right? This living out of the obedience to what God's Word says. So listen, if you want to fear the Lord, if you want to live that in your life, if you're desiring to be blessed... Said, so then walk in obedience to the Word of God, to God's ways. Now, obviously, as we look at context here and we see the, the maybe the chapter, the verses around it, we might ask, okay, if this this chapter, obviously, these verses sit within an entirety of a book. Maybe the book itself has something else to say. Now, Psalm is obviously the Book of Psalms is a huge book, but it's interesting. Look what it says here in Psalm one twelve, verse one. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. So again, we have this similar mantra being issued. Who greatly delights in his commandments. So it's a similar way of saying this calling to walk in the ways of God and saying again, here, if you desire to be blessed, right? It's those who fear the Lord and the fearing of the Lord is demonstrated by the fact that we are walking or living in God's word. It's interesting that look what he states here. He says that this obedience to God is a great delight. Saying, listen, um, that there's a joy in obeying God. 
that this fear of the Lord is not like because I have to obey God. There's a delight, there's a joy from what the Spirit is doing inside of me. And we're going to kind of maybe come to that as we climax out of the message today at the end of looking to say, how might this point us toward Christ? How might this look to the cross and the power of the Spirit within me? But even here, we have this moment of greatly delighting in obeying God. And we all have to admit that does not come naturally to us. I don't know about you as parents or grandparents, but most of you probably have experienced moments when you realized that you didn't have to train your kids to sin, did you? You don't have to train them to be disobedient. You don't have to train them to act like that over there on Sunday morning, right? I mean, you're experiencing those moments. You realize, guess what? It doesn't come natural to want to obey. We are disobedient by nature. We don't enjoy it. We don't take pleasure in it. And so we realize here that this greatly delighting in God's commands is a realization that God's doing something. The delighting is mentioned in Genesis chapter 34, verse 19, when it talks about the fact that the young men, it says they delighted in Jacob's daughter, right? He delighted in her. There was a love that he had for this woman. That's a pretty shady passage if you ever read Genesis chapter 34. There's a lot that happens there. But he desires, he loves this woman. There's a delight. There's an enjoyment, right? So when we think about delighting in God's Word, maybe if you have thought about the way that you love and care for right, your spouse or your significant other, there's a desire there. You enjoy pleasing them. You, you care for that person. Similar. Furthermore, 2 Samuel chapter 20, and one of Joab's young men, this are warriors, right? This is the army. They stand up, and he stands by a mass, and he says this, Whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, let him follow Joab. He, he, he comes forward, grabs the mic at the Dragon Stadium, and says, Who are you going to be what? Who are you going to be for? Right? That's the question he asks. Who are you going to be for? And he says, Listen, whoever favors Joab. And so it says, listen, kind of like maybe your allegiance, like to a local, uh, a, a ball team or a college or a university, or maybe you have an affiliation to an NFL team and you're getting pretty jacked up about the playoffs that are coming. I, I've been spent my week in Louisville and my buddy's from Pittsburgh and he's like, dude, he's like the allegiance to the Steelers there is crazy. It's crazy, right? I mean, the allegiance there to the Steelers is crazy. And, and he's talking about how, how, in, how uh, just passionate they are about the Steelers there in Pittsburgh. And, and similar, we see this joy, this delight. I think we all understand that we have moments in life where we enjoy things. We're passionate about it. And he says, listen, I want you to know that there ought to be a delighting in the Word of God. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. It's in Genesis chapter 22, maybe the, one of the, the more potent or familiar passages throughout the Old Testament. Old Abraham and Sarah finally had a boy, and that boy's name was what? Do you remember? Abraham and Sarah's boy's name was what? Isaac, right? And, and he gets that great command there in Genesis 22, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go what? Sacrifice him. And the obedience of Abraham, he sets out, and, and the text kind of plays out, and we come to verse 11 as Abraham pulls the knife up to thrust it into his son that he's got there on the altar and the crying out, Abraham, Abraham. And in verse 12, he says, here am I, Lord. And the Lord says something amazing in Genesis chapter 22, verse 12 to Abraham. He says this, for I know that you fear God, for you have not withheld your only son from me. He says, I want you to know that, Abraham, I recognize that your fearing God is demonstrated in the midst of your obedience. So if you wondered right now today, you're trying to ask the question, Lord, I want to be blessed. I want this blessed life that you desire. 
But the call is to fear you, and the fearing you is demonstrated by walking in your ways or living in obedience to your commands. You're saying, maybe practically, what's that look like? I would ask you, what's God called you to sacrifice? Have you been willing to give that up? What's God calling you to lay down? Maybe it's an area of sin in your life that God's been dealing with you for some time on. He's saying, listen, you know that doesn't honor me and you desire that area of sin so much. But the power of God and you desire to live a life of fearing the Lord, you realize he's calling you away. Some of you, listen, God is saying to you, I want you to demonstrate the fact that you fear me by absolute obedience. And for some of you, that may be giving Giving like you've never given before. Maybe things are tighter now than they've ever been. But God's calling you to demonstrate the fact that you still fear Him. And you're going to demonstrate it by the way that you give. I don't know, those are just some examples. But the reminder is, again, we are called to live a life of obedience. A life of demonstrating our fear of the Lord. So we have those examples, right, of fearing the Lord there in the book of Psalms. But maybe as you're understanding, like, how do I I realize, what's it mean? Right, to fear the Lord. And I not look only in the context of that passage, but I look throughout the book of Psalms, but maybe I ought to look throughout the Old Testament, right? So as you start to expand it, you're trying to understand, God, I want to understand your word. Maybe you look further. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, right? One of those great passages, the Ten Commandments is given. And we hear this moment in verse 20 of Exodus 20. Look at what it says here. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you. That the, look what it says here, he calls out, the fear of him may be before you. Look what he says, that what? You may not sin. See, often I think when we come to the fear of God, there's a fear of God that, and again, we're going to try to balance this, right? It's a delicate situation, we're going to try to balance it. But I think oftentimes we come to this fear of God and we think that we need to stay really far away from God. But instead, Moses speaks here to the people and he says, I want you to know that the fear of God, instead of drawing you away from God, in fact, should, there should be a fear of God to say, God, I am really prone to wonder. Right? I am prone, God, to leave the God I love, the God I love. Right? The song that you sing? Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But praise the mount, I'm what? Fixed upon it. God, there's something about who you are that even though my wicked heart often wants to stray away from you, the fear of God says that there is a God who is actually good. This God is loving. How much so? He would give his son for a scoundrel like me. And so this fear of God, Moses says, I want you to know the fear of God is upon you to keep you from straying from the straight and narrow, to keep you from straying to your devotion to Christ he says, listen, I want you to feel that, guys. I want you to know that God is here. Not simply this fear of God that we should run away and cower away from Him, but there ought to be a fear of God in our life to say, God, I am so prone to leave you. God, I'm so fearful. I know what I am liable to do. God, I will quickly step away from Your Word. I will quickly step off the path onto my own path. He says, I want you to know, guys, that this fear of God is upon you, it's before you, that you may not sin. I want to ask, when you begin to think about the fear of God, is there a fear of God on your life that you feel and sense that? That God is drawing you, that you feel a conviction over your sins, that you fear God of saying, God, I do not want to leave you. God, please today protect me from making unwise decisions. God, please keep me like those sheep, right? We all like sheep have gone astray. Isaiah 53 is so clear about that. 
God, I know that I'm prone to leave the sheepfold and to follow my own path. And yet what we know about God is the fact that He's a good shepherd. He leaves the 99 and does what? He goes looking for the one. I mean, that's the, this, this heart of God that we see demonstrated throughout the Scriptures, but then we see fully when Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, He comes and He loves the strays. He loves people that are so far off that He eats with tax collectors and sinners. They even call Him a friend of what? A friend of sinners. Who is this God who loves sinners like He does? It's willing to be associated with the outcast and the downcast and the forgotten and the scoundrels. He says, listen, I want you to know that that kind of love ought to create a deep fear within you and I to say, wow, God, I don't want to leave you. There's no one that loves me like you love me. So we've looked right to the passage itself, to the book that Psalms was within. We've looked to the Old Testament, trying to understand what's it mean to fear the Lord. But we ought to also look as you're studying God's word, look to the New Testament. Listen to this passage in Hebrews chapter 12. Again, we're trying to understand what's it mean to fear the Lord. Kind of a holistic biblical view the best we can in a few moments. Verse 28 of Hebrews 12 says, therefore, let us be grateful. Look what he says we've done here. We've receiving we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Thus, right? So he says, listen, you know what your response should be to that. Thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. With look what he says, how he defines this worship. It's with reverence and awe. Right? Why? Well, he says, for our God again here is a consuming fire. He says, listen, I want you guys to know that you've received a kingdom that you could never, ever earn or deserve. There's a kingdom that you will step into that Revelation 21 says there's no more death there. There's no mourning. There's no crying. There's no pain. It says, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who sits on the throne says, behold, I make all things new. And the tendency is for you and I to doubt and maybe even for John. And so the Spirit says, yes, write these words down for they are faithful and true. And so the Spirit of God is there at work telling us and reminding us. But look what he says. You received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You've received a kingdom that you could never work to earn your way to. You could never purchase that ticket on your own. He says, I want you to know you've received it by grace. And what ought to be the response? Look what he says. Thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. He says there ought to be a fear of God upon our lives because God would love someone like you and he would accept you and me into his kingdom. There ought to be a fear of God on my life that God would be willing to allow me to say, Jesus taught us to pray our what? Our Father. How could God allow me? Like, I know Blake Jesse, like, deep within. Like, people often ask, should I pray for myself? I would say I pray for myself more than I pray for anyone else. Why? Because I know what's inside here. I know what a scoundrel that I am. I'm not saying what the scoundrel that I have been. I'm saying the scoundrel that I am currently. I know that the depths of depravity within my own soul. So I'm praying, God, thank you that you are my father. Thank you that you love me. And so there ought to be, he says, listen, you've received a kingdom that you could never, ever earn. You've never, ever be good enough. You'll never clean up your life enough. 
This is a kingdom that is based upon grace. That if you will repent and believe, put your faith and trust in Christ, you will be welcomed into this kingdom as a child of the Most High God. And he says, listen, this ought to move us to a worship that has reverence and awe. To say, who is like our God? Who's like our God? Who's like that? I mean, can you imagine how your marriage might look different if you were married to somebody like that? I mean, can you imagine what this church would look like if we all treated one another that way? That it wasn't based upon the performance of how good my spouse is today or how good my kids are today or how nice that other church member treats me today. But like it was based upon grace and mercy and kindness that God has shown me. He says, listen, that kind of love ought to move us to worship with reverence and awe and be careful. Don't take that lightly because remember, our God is a what? A consuming fire. He says, listen, be careful. Be careful today. Don't think that you somehow are good enough to earn it. Don't think because now that you've been in Christ and things that you once struggled with, you no longer struggle with. He says, listen, that's what, again, I've said it before. I love the the, the anthem of Amazing Grace. When we've been there, what? 10,000 years. Why? Because the grace is still going to be amazing, guys. I mean, throughout all eternity, you and I are going to look at each other and say, can we believe we're here? Can you believe that God would welcome someone like me into his kingdom? That's the depths of Christ's sacrifice for me and for you. He says, let this fear of God, that there is a God who loves you tenaciously and endlessly and infinitely well, let it move you to a place of worship with just reverence and awe and saying there is no God like our God. This fear of the Lord again. So we've kind of maybe unpacked it a little bit of what it might mean um, to love God like that. And so I kind of wrote down, yeah, the fear of God includes maybe things like respecting him, obeying him, not wanting to leave him, worshiping him in awe, right? Being overwhelmed by his goodness and his grace. I, I, I don't know about you. I don't know what kind of family you grew up in. I know there's all kinds of folks from different walks of life. But maybe this analogy might help uh, maybe uncover a little bit more of what I'm trying to get at. So growing up as, as a young boy with my dad, um, man, I had a fear of my dad because if I didn't obey, what was probably going to happen? Some of you have been there. What was going to happen? Discipline, right? right? I saw somebody just do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Blake Jesse got lots of those, right? Um, I have to remind my wife continually when our kid comes home with yellow lights and other colored lights that aren't always positive. Um, baby, everybody in school didn't act like you, right? They got my genetic line flowing through there too. Um, so, but, but listen, um, I, I remember that there was a fear of my father, right? Like if I stepped out of line, I knew what was going to happen, right? I knew, right, when that teacher said, Blake, the next time I'm going to call your dad. Whew. Right. I mean, there was that fear of dad. But as we begin to grow up, right, and especially maybe as men, we begin to think we're tough and macho. And at some point, maybe some of you are there with teenagers, they get older, they begin to realize there's almost those moments when you think, you know what, dad, I'm probably about as tough as you. Right. At least it's going to be a scrap physically. Right. It's going to be a scrap. You want to spank me, it's going to be a scrap or whatever. And here's the amazing thing that as I began to get older and physically mature, 
and that situation, that time came with my dad, what began to overwhelm me was no longer that I was necessarily a fear of my dad, but I saw the way that he had been loving me all these years. Could physically maybe we stand face to face at this point? Maybe. But there was a, now a fear of like, I don't want to let this guy down. Man, he's loved, man, I see what he sacrificed, right? I, I wanted to bring a picture in this morning of me when I was about four years old, and I'm in my dad's farm boots. And I know how much my dad loved the farm, but my dad was willing to sell the farm because he realized he had to choose between the farm and spending time with his kids every day after work. And he sold the farm. And there's something that does deep inside of me, even now. C.W., he mentioned it this morning. He was, he was praying he said, I can't wait till we get on that other side. There's some of us that, that we, you know that person that you love and care. There's maybe there's multitudes. Some of you are aging. There's beginning to get more people on the other side than there are here. You're just starting to recognize. But as we grow and mature in that love that many of you have experienced and some of you have, and listen, I know that's hard. That fear of your father, it's now replaced with the fact of the way that he's loved you and that you want to obey him. And so similarly, as we look, it's not a perfect analogy, but as we come to God, early on there's a realization like, God, if I step out of line, I know you're going to get me. Do I still know that today? Absolutely. But as I journey with Him more and more, the fear of the Lord really is, God, I just don't want to let you down, Lord. God, I don't don't want to wander. God, I I don't want to leave the God I love. Lord, I know I'm prone to do it. I mean, I... But God, I see how infinitely you've loved me. I see that that song we sing is mercy is more. And I look at my life and realize, dude, that's true. Where sin abounds, Paul said what? Grace abounds all the more. Again, it brings me and leads me to this place of, wow. Right? Jesus to Calvary did go. His love for sinners to show what he did there brought hope from what? Despair. Oh, how he what? Loves you and me. There's something about the way he loves. So again, we've tried our best to uncover what it means to fear the Lord. So maybe we just spend the rest of our time today just looking at now, what is the blessing that is there, right? So again, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his way. So we've done our best to define what it means to fear the Lord. Now let's look at what the blessing is as a result of that. First and foremost, I want to draw your attention to the fact it says blessed is what? Everyone. Some of you feel like that you will never, ever be good enough to earn it. No, it's not what it says. It says, blessed is everyone today. No matter where you've been, what you've done, you, by the grace of God, can come home today to a God who loves you, who forgives you, who welcomes you back, who forgives everything that you and I have done. So blessed is everyone Not just some, listen, anyone who would come, who would respond to this fear of the Lord, this great God. He says, listen, I want you to know that live in obedience to him. He says, I want you to know the blessing of God that's coming. So look at this blessings, all right? Let's walk through them just for a moment. Verse 2, he says of Psalm 128, You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. He's citing kind of some Old Testament covenant promise. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Listen to this. Listen to these blessings. Imagine this in your life for a moment. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Again, he qualifies, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So again, there's this call for obedience. Blessed shall you be in the city. Can you imagine your job being blessed? And blessed shall you be in the field. Could there be some farmers here today that would love to be blessed this year? 
Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb. Could there be some here today that are crying out to God for children? Can you imagine to see that answered prayer, that blessing? The fruit of your ground. Can you imagine again the crops, the farmers, the others here that you think about that? He says, listen, I want you to know there's a blessing. Can you imagine the cattle? Your cattle being blessed. Your herds and your flocks. And then he says, listen, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Can you imagine being a blessing upon the harvest and the food in your home? God's saying, I want to bless the entirety of your life. He says, listen, I want you to know again. Do you not see that? Like no one else can bless like that. He says, listen, I want you to know, guys. It's a response to my grace and mercy that you fear me, that you obey me. Because I desire to bless the entirety of your life. It's an amazing thing. So what else he says. Verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. The wife brings joy to this man. Similar to the way that wine would bring joy. He says, listen, I want you to know that your wife will be a fruitful vine. The lady is fruitful, right? It says that she's fruitful, indicating, right? It's pointing toward ultimately coming to these children here. It says, listen, I want you to know this lady's fruitful. And again, we talked about it last week, so I won't rehash it all. But remember, just when it comes time for our families and you have this blueprint, doesn't mean that's always God's blueprint for you and your family. It may look differently. In fact, I've been reading through Genesis in, in our reading plan early in the mornings. And what's been amazing to me is all these people that God promised to do this great work in their families, they all had to wait a really long time for God to deliver on His promise. I mean, Abraham was 75 when he was told that he would become a great nation. How old was he when actually Isaac was born? A hundred. Twenty-five years of waiting on God. It seems to be a family thing because Isaac then has a wife by the name of Rebecca, and they begin, they're married. Isaac is 40 years old. Do you remember how many years they waited for God to deliver and provide children for them? 20. And all along, Isaac keeps getting his promises, just like his dad got these promises. I'm going to make you into a great nation. The question would often have to be for most of us, when? When? And then we walk to their children and we find a child, one of their children, their boy's name is Jacob. And in Genesis chapter 30, I literally read it this morning. You know what happens? They get in a fight about not having children. It creates all kinds of tension. Maybe some of you are there or you know someone that's there. They have all kinds of tension in their family over this very issue. And so again, listen, I don't always know what God's plan will look like for you. It may be through adoption, child sponsorship. It it may be through fostering. I don't know. But what I would encourage you is, is to be faithful to whatever God is calling you to do. Even if it's not your blueprint. Even if it doesn't make sense in that moment. Your wife, he says, will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. The olive shoots were a promise of the future that is to come. It was a promise of what is to come. And this blessed man, he looks to his children and he sees hope in what Christ will do in and through them. As believers, we have to see that and say, listen, as I look forward to what Christ will do, as I know how merciful and gracious God has been to me, it is my hope and prayer that my children will experience even more mercy and grace. And he sees this fruitful vine, the blessing of God upon his family. Behold, verse 4, he says, 
Thus shall a man be blessed who fears the Lord. Again, he reiterates the fact that we are called to fear the Lord. And then he closes with these. Verse 5. The Lord bless you from Zion. It's interesting. Zion is also the city of David that we know as what? What city? Jerusalem, right? I would encourage you, and remember, it's, it's interesting that all this is taking place. Um, it's one of those songs of ascent, so they're on their way to the temple to worship, right? And he says, listen, the Lord bless you from Zion where you're headed to. But I think it's a, it's a good reminder from all of us in the midst of it. And listen, most all of us here have experienced some great prosperity, especially if you've been many other places in the world. You, you know that. The vast, 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 vast majority of us here have great prosperity, great prosperity, In physical terms, I want to encourage you in the midst of things going well for you and I, don't forget where it's come from. Count your blessings. Name them one by what? Count your blessings and see what God has done. Did you hear? You've been singing it for years, but it's intentional. Again, the lyrics are intentional. As you count your blessings, as you look at your life, don't forget, it's come from Zion. It has come from the Lord above. That's what James says. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. It says our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul says, what do you have that you didn't receive? Therefore, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? Like you did it somehow. Right? There's this call to say, listen, guys, I want you to know the Lord is blessing you guys. And remember where it's from. This great blessing that's upon you and your family and your household. Remember where the blessing has come from. And then he says this. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Be careful. I think it's a temptation in the midst of desiring to have the blessed life. We think it's about us. He reminds us, don't forget the community around you. That your blessing is in reality to help others. If God's blessed your herds or your cattle or your food or your clothing or your finances, it is in a way that you can now help someone else. Right? This is always bigger than us. This is always about showing God's love to others. He says, listen, I want you to know, may you see that prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And then he finishes with verse 6. May you see your children's children. Wow. It was interesting. In verse 3, they were bride and groom. And then verse 4, they had kiddos. And now in three verses, they've gone to being grandparents. Have some of you maybe experienced how quickly life goes? Would you just raise your hands as a reminder? How quickly life goes? Some of you experienced it. I, I remember my dad often would, we would be riding on the road and he'd say, Son, I, I want you to enjoy this fall setting. He said, I always think, I wonder how many more of these I may have. Say, don't take it for granted. Just enjoy what, what God's put before you right now in this season of life. Man, there's a quickness and a pace that happens to that, right? Um, and some of you, you're cherishing that. You're excited about that. But listen, again, maybe the balance here again, and I'm not trying to get so personal that the message becomes about me, but I want to maybe just kind of remind this for a moment. May you see your children's children. These blessings are generally true, but that doesn't mean that it's always for every situation it's going to happen this way. Right? I mean, I was holding a boy down there this morning that my father never lived to see. Right? I mean, so listen, even though these are generally true, doesn't mean that every situation, listen, God, I've tried to fear you, God, I've tried to follow you. Why are we not being fruitful, God? Why are we not being blessed? I, I don't always, cannot always explain that. 
But I know that the blessing is there for those who look to the Lord. And the blessing may not always be as we would think, as we would want, as we might want to describe it or explain it to God. But it's God's perfect knowledge of what we need. And so he says, listen, may you see your children's children. And then he says, peace be upon Israel. I want to close by just reminding us again. I've kind of tried to reiterate it throughout the message. But guys, let's be honest. None of us here have walked in God's ways perfect enough to be blessed. Come on. None of us have feared enough. None of us obeyed enough. None of us here have been good enough. The reality is this entire message hinges and is founded upon grace. This entire message is based upon grace. Because you're never going to fear God perfectly enough that you've now somehow attained it. Every bit of this reminds you and I of how feeble and how weak we are. And the reality is that we need someone else that could stand in our stead who could live it perfectly. And the good news, the Bible says that person is God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he lived a perfect life and died on the cross for your sin and your lack of fearing the Lord and walking in his ways. And the Bible says that the, such amazing good news that it's almost unbelievable. And he says, therefore, it must be believed by faith because it's, it's literally, it's like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't fit. It says that, in fact, that you would never, ever be good enough to earn or deserve this. But if you would put your faith in God's Son who died on the cross, God credits His perfect life to you and your sin and shame is given to His Son. And the Bible says that not only now can you stand and say, Lord, I know I've not been good enough, Lord. I know that I'll never be perfect enough, but your grace is so amazing that, God, I'm just standing here today as I am. But the Bible says, listen, I want you to know the empowerment to live out this blessed life, to walk in his ways, to truly fear the Lord comes not from yourself, but from the power of God's spirit within you. It's not only that Jesus' perfect life has been credited to you. It's not only that your sin has been taken away and he's paid in full for it. He says, I want you to know God's given you the power of his Holy Spirit to live a life of fearing the Lord. The Spirit is your strength. You see, every bit of this message causes us to return to Christ and the cross. It causes us to look to the resurrection And the hope that there's a new life to come, a life of a blessing beyond anything we could ask or imagine in this current life. But man, we must realize how desperately we all here need the power of the Spirit. And the good news is, is God says He gives the Spirit without limit. Today, if you desire to say, you know what, God, let's be honest. I haven't really been walking in your ways. God, my life doesn't really reflect fearing you. Let's be honest, every one of us should be willing to say that today. God, I I accept and receive that the sacrifice of Christ. I claim him as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I'm praying your spirit within me, if you're already a believer, God, that your spirit within me would do a new work for those that haven't. You are repenting and saying, God, my way is not demonstrated a fearing of you. I come today acknowledging I'll never, ever be good enough. I'm confessing Christ as my Lord and Savior to forgive me and credit His life to me, to remove my sin from me. And God, I desire to receive the Holy Spirit that will now empower me to actually delight in obeying You. 
That the Spirit would do such a work in me that I would want to obey you. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. I pray the blessing of God be upon you and your household. Today, would you come and acknowledge your need of Christ? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you, Father, for the blessing that we could never, ever earn or deserve, but it's only by grace through faith in your Son, Jesus. Father, I pray today as we looked just last week at Psalm 127 that, God, we are all weak here. As we look to your word, God, we realize that we are in desperate need of you and the work of Jesus in our lives. Today, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, through the proclaimed word of God, that, God, you have awakened us to this need, this reality, and that you are drawing men and women, boys and girls to you, that there will be free confession of sin in this place, a forsaking of our old way of life, and saying, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit alone, I want to live a life that demonstrates that I fear you in obedience and absolute worship and awe and reverence. God, do the work that only you can. May people delight today in the fact that this word is true and the good news of Jesus and the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray it in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand. I invite you to come. Fall on your knees to worship God. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. May the fear of the Lord be upon us today that would keep us from sinning, that would keep us from...